sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben adelberg and welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben adelberg this is episode 280 just getting back from another great trip to Merido Golf Club just outside of Dallas, Texas. This time I was there for the East-West Matches, a Ryder Cup-style team event that saw 18 amateurs from each side of the Mississippi battle it out for bragging rights. The West won the inaugural matches in 2020, and this year, well, the East roared back in dominant fashion, winning 31.5 points to 13 and a half points. It was pretty close right up until the Saturday afternoon for some matches, and then the East really put the hammer down during the Sunday singles matches. Many of the best mid-amateurs and senior amateurs in the country were there. Rusty Strong, the U.S. senior amateur champion, had an excellent showing for the East. Joe Duraney, Marcus Stanza, Geronimo Estevi, and Scott Harvey the organizer of the East-West matches. You know, the East was dominant this time around, but I'm sure in two years, the West will be back and stronger than ever. It was great to see everyone at Merido again. For those of you that have followed the back of the range for some time now, you'll know that I have been covering amateur events there many times. Their hospitality is legendary, and it all starts with the owner of the club, Albert Huddleston, a true pioneer in the growth and promotion of amateur golf. So thank you to everyone at Merido, Mark Welgis, Tanner Westbrook, Jenny Consemio, their entire team. Always fun being back at Merido. As I said in previous episodes, I don't have many more tournaments to cover in 2022, so you'll be getting more podcast episodes over the next three months. So make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Merch is still available at thebackoftherange.com. Imperial Sports was generous enough to make a collection for me. That includes Back of the Range Imperial hats, visors, shirts. So go check that out as well. Everything can be found at thebackoftherange.com. My guest on this episode, long overdue, it's Mason Nome from the University of Texas. Last year, the Longhorns defeated the Sun Devils of Arizona State in the championship match at Greyhawk to capture the fourth national championship in Texas history. Cole Hammer, Pearson and Parker Cootie, Travis Vick, and Mason Nome had a season to remember that ended with them receiving the ultimate prize. But the season was anything but smooth. We spoke about their rocky start to the fall season, the freak injuries to the Cootie brothers, and how everything came together for the team in Augusta, of all places. This is a great episode with Mason. We spoke about the swing change that he made before heading to Austin, the degree that he is pursuing at Texas, and we also spoke about his go-to order at another Texas institution, Bucky's. Yes, we hit upon all sorts of topics in this episode. Let's jump into it right now. Mason, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Absolutely, my friend. Well, we are we're here at the tail end of the fall semester. Um, uh, no more tournaments. Kind of buttoning up the, uh, the academics and then heading off for the holidays. Uh, but but you have more important things to focus on right now. I mean I mean it's not it's no golf, no school. Uh, th- there's a Texas football game this weekend. So, I mean, before we talk about golf, I mean, we always talk about golf here. Uh, give me a preview to the uh, Longhorn uh, TCU football game this weekend. Who do you like? What do you want to see? I mean, you're, you're an expert here. So talk to me about what you're looking for in this football game besides, you know, just being a being a college kid at a football game. Exactly. I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, obviously, TCU's had an amazing year at this point. They're 9-0. and Um it's going to be a, a great game. It's highly anticipated, and and pretty much the whole state of Texas is going to be watching this game. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I haven't watched TCU quite enough this year to really know how they do things, how they run their offense. And I mean, all they know, all I know at this point is they're nine and zero, and they're a really good football team. But we've been playing well lately as well. So I, I I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people are predicting, and 
I think we're going to give them a run for their money and we might pull out the victory. Were you at the Alabama game by any chance? I was at the Alabama game. How nuts was that? I mean, I, I know you guys lost, but I, I mean, I, I kind of think that if you're a college student, win or lose, you, you want to be at something like that just for the experience. Like, I know I've seen a lot of college players posting pictures. I think some of the, the women from the Notre Dame team were posting pictures when they just beat Clemson last weekend. I mean, it seems like a rite of passage, but for someone in athletics at a big school to be able to just dip a toe into an experience like that. I mean, that had to have been an amazing, amazing day. Oh, it was. And that was by far the best UT football game I'd been to, you know, okay. despite them not winning. Uh, it was, it was amazing. It was just, it was different. Um, just in the sense that, you know, it was Bama. It was extremely loud. I mean, even the Alabama players after the game were talking about how loud it was. I think one of the quotes, one of the players said was, you know, it was pretty much the loudest away game they've ever played. Um, you know, whether that's true or not, it's pretty amazing. But I mean, the, the stadium, Daryl K. Royal was like nearly shaking, especially towards the end. Um, and, you know, it was, it was such a close game. They, you know, we played a great game and, and Quinn got hurt, which obviously hurt, hurt, hurt us to yeah. an extent. Um, but it was a great game and, and it was a very fun one to watch. That's for sure. Now we'll, we'll talk about your teammates a little bit in this episode. We're going to talk about you and your journey, but, um, we'll randomly throw in these questions. I want to see what kind of dirt I can get. Who is the <laughs> biggest football addict on, on, on the golf team? Like who's the one that maybe, you know, you have a tournament coming up and they're, they're not focused on the tournament. They're more focused on, man, we got to see what they do on, on the football field this weekend. I mean, do we have someone on the team uh, th that's kind of an addict? It's funny. I'm looking at the board right now, which is where we have our tournament stroke average and qualifying stroke average. I'm kind of racking my brain going down the list. I mean, I think everybody on that board really cares about Texas football. Right. Um, I'd say the one that stands out the most actually is Travis. Uh, he played football growing up and and, uh, you know, he played, you know, all the way, I, I believe, until he was in high school. Yeah, he was a, he was a punter, uh, right? P punter, place kicker? No. I think he uh, I think he was a linebacker. I think he played linebacker and he was a backup quarterback. Yeah. I could be wrong on that, but that's yeah. that's right. We, we know he wasn't a punter or place kicker. But anytime <laughs> we can make fun of any of your teammates, we're going to get all that done as much as possible in this episode. So, um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, that makes sense. I mean, just, you know, him being into it and just, but, but yeah, having that on campus, um, I guess that certainly adds to the college experience. Um, we're we're going to talk about UT, but we always like to get a little bit of background on how someone gets into the game of golf. Now you're a Houston guy, so this is not a big stretch where this isn't going to be a whole lot of a, a drama uh, or like, how did he find UT? How did he get interested in Texas? So we, we figured that part out, but how did you get into the game of golf? Got into it really young. Um, I, we had a little putting green in our backyard at the first house that I was at growing up. And I just remember going back when I was extremely young. I had like Fisher Price clubs, plastic ones. And that's how I learned the game. I just go in the backyard and, and practice with my dad. And, you know, obviously at that point, it was nothing serious when you're that young. You're just going out there and whacking the sure. ball. But I remember back at that time how fun I thought the game was. And, you know, growing up, I, I, I really loved the game. And I remember I'd go out to our golf course on the weekends and I would just chip and putt for hours. And I just, I fell in love with the game that way. I didn't play my first tournament until I was eight. Um, and so I grew up kind of playing SCPGA events and, and it, it wasn't necessarily by design or anything. My dad didn't expect me to end up being, you know, a competitive golfer or anything, but, um, you know, it kind of worked out well that he had me compete later and, and play later because he really wanted me to like the game before I, took it very seriously and, sure. and it ended up it ended up working out beautifully in, in retrospect but i'm just very very fortunate and lucky that that this is the game i'm playing and i, I love every second of it now you committed to texas pretty early and in fact you know now you're talking about having a putting green in the backyard i'm i'm, I'm kind of remembering something um so another guy that we know Cole Hammer had a putting green in his backyards and you guys kind of committed i know he was one year older than you but you guys both committed relatively early to Texas. Did you, do you remember like, when did you kind of get the idea that Texas was going to be where you wanted to play college golf? And when I say early, we're talking like what, 13, 14, 15, something like that. Yeah, I believe Cole and I committed, I committed right before I turned 14 and Cole committed, I think right when he turned 14. So we committed, he's a year older than I am. Right. So um, relatively speaking, we committed at the same age. Um, you know, we, we talked about it, you know, we started playing a lot together, I'd say when we were 11 and 12 and 
we'd spend hours just practicing together. And it's funny you bring up the backyard because we'd go to each other's houses. We only live about 10 minutes away from each other in Houston. And we have pools right next to our putting greens. Yes. And we'd spend hours skipping balls across the greens trying to make it. And, you know, we'd have our dads come out and video just in case you'd make one. And then you put it on your Instagram back in the day. Um, you know, that was something that we do for hours and, and we had so much fun doing it. Um, and as far as Texas goes, I mean, I just fell in love with it. Um, you know, I'd say it was very early when I really wanted to come here. Um, and it just worked out beautifully and obviously Cole committed and, you know, that made me want to come here even more because, you know, I really enjoyed my time with Cole and, and he was a really good friend of mine. So I wanted to come here and, and luckily I played pretty well and, and got some exposure from from coach fields and coach Abear at the time. And, and, you know, the rest is history, but I'm just, I'm so thankful for how it worked out. You know, you mentioned this thing about skipping the balls across the pool. I remember when Cole posted a video of this uh, and, and it like literally blew up. And I actually recently found a video of you doing the same thing. Did he just steal all the Instagram love from you? Because it looks like you did it before he did it. Exactly. That's actually a lot of our mutual friends at school would give me static for that because they all thought that Cole was the one that posted it first when in reality I was the one that posted it first. Yeah. That being said, I have to give Cole some credit because he was the one that really kind of introduced like skipping the ball across the pool okay. to me at our house. So I can't steal all the credit. That being said, I did go, I did go back on Instagram and post it first. So that is, that is, that is true. Jeez. But that being said, so, so there, there is some, there is some truth to that and there is some, some, you know, credit to Cole there as well. There's right. a little bit about, but, but the message is, is that Cole hammer is stealing your shade. I mean, that's really, <laughs> it, he's, you're, he's drafting off of you. Got it. Okay. We got that. No, I'm just kidding, but we got that figured out. But no, I, I saw that and I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. And, uh, I'm like, all right, well, that makes sense. You guys are 10 minutes away. And, uh, um, right. that makes so. So you had a really, you know, th this, you commit early and you have a, a really, you know, stellar junior career i mean you know handful of top tens ajga and you're checking all the boxes junior players you're playing all of the big junior tournaments and you know this one thing i wanted to bring up is that you go through a really great article written by brentley romine during your junior career and it kind of detailed some of the information about you having to go through a swing change which and we're not talking where you're 15 and you have, you know, seven different coaches trying to convince you of the way yeah. to go. You go through a growth spurt, which, uh, yeah, everyone's going to go through that at that age. Um, and I think this is kind of, we haven't really talked about this a lot in the back of the range, but, you know, parents listen, juniors listen. And this is something that I think could be very valuable to get into because, you know, do you manage what you have and try and just get through and then hopefully it's enough to, to, you know, fulfill your, your scholarship and get you into Texas, or do you tear everything down because you're going to have to do it at some point? You know, there's a lot of different ways to think about this. So how, how did you kind of go through that decision of how do I get myself prepared for college? You know, what do you do at this point with your swing? Right. That's a great question. And, and obviously the timing aspect of when this happened was obviously very unfortunate considering it kind of leaked into my freshman year of college a little bit when I was still kind of in the midst of making these changes, but my old swing was a very long uh, swing, kind of old fashioned, where it was extremely long. I mean, John Daly long okay. and my left, my left heel would come off the ground. Um, I just never had a swing thought at that time until I was 16 years old. I would just basically go out there and hit the ball as hard as I could. And generally the ball would go pretty straight. Um, and literally I'd find it and, and play it. So I had, I played golf with very little thought. Um, when I started to grow, the ball didn't exactly go where I wanted it to go for a while. And thus I thought I needed to make a change if I really wanted to get to the next level. And that happened when I was around 16 or 17 years old. Um, and it was a brutal process. Cause I mean, you've done tens of thousands of swings the other way and you have to undo that. And then basically like relearn how to swing again, which is a tough motor pattern when you're trying to swing a club at near nearly 120 miles per hour. Yeah. Um, so that was a brutal process, but it's a very good question. You know, part of you, you know, the competitive side of you wants to just play through it and, and play as much as you can, um, which I tried to do to an extent. I really wanted to stay competitive because I know that's really when you get better is when you compete and, and you see where you're at. But at the same time, I really needed to hammer the fundamentals. And that's why I didn't play well, particularly well for, you know, two years there, um, you know, because I was kind of caught in between motor patterns and at the same time trying to, you know, stay competitive. It was, it was a tough process. Yeah. Um, 
Because at that I time, it, well, yeah. and not to cut you off, but at that time, like I try and talk to like when I talk to juniors or parents of juniors, I kind of explain like, you know, in junior golf, it's really just a means to an end to to get you to the next level so you can go play college golf. But when you're in the thick of it, obviously you want to compete, you want to win. But you know that once you get to college, I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but once you get to college, what you did as a junior golfer does not matter anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty much out the window. Obviously, right. the, the accolades, you know, obviously you want the accolades at the time. But when you're here, it's pretty much everyone's you know, everybody's, got those. Yeah. everybody's starting with the same sheet of paper. And, you know, it's it's a meritocracy in college, you know, especially with college golf. You know, what, what can you do with your time here, you know, in college is, is what matters. You know, what happened two years ago doesn't really Right. doesn't really have any impact. If you're playing really well now, great. If you're not, then, you know, you might, might not be playing. Yeah. Coach Fields probably isn't giving exemptions from qualifying based on what you did in an AJGA tournament. <laughs> Certainly not. That's <laughs> for sure. So, so what were the things that you had to kind of retool in your game? I mean, from a, from a high level, like what were the things that you had to retool to kind of get yourself competitive in, at the college level? Right. Um, I'd say the things I had to refine going from junior golf to college golf, there are many things. Um, I've always had a strong short game. I've always been a pretty good putter and things have kind of stayed that way, which is obviously a positive, but I had to make many swing changes, which was definitely difficult as we discussed trying to play a lot of tournaments at the same time, reinventing a motor pattern is not exactly the easiest thing. Yeah. Um, so I worked on a lot of technical things with my swing. Um, and, you know, just becoming a better player, I've learned so much from Coach Fields and Coach Hebert and, and, and Coach Coughlin in my time here, as well as my teammates. I mean, being able to play three years with Cole Hammer, Pearson Cootie, and Parker Cootie, I mean, I've just got better through osmosis just being around them. Um, you know, small things like learning how to flight shots better, learning how to take spin off, um, you know, learning new shots around the green, um, learning new drills, just things like that. Um, you know, it's a great culture in, in college golf and you really improve just by being around your teammates and, and learning what they do and picking up on small things. Um, but as far as the things I had to reinvent, pretty much all of it had to do with, with swing. Um, right. And especially off the tee, because when I was reinventing my swing and playing tournaments at the same time, I didn't exactly hit it great. And obviously that hits your confidence pretty, pretty hard. And, and, you know, when you once were a great driver of the golf ball, you don't really know where the ball's going. You know, when I was 16, 17 years old, it's obviously a scary feeling. Um, but, you know, last year I, you know, I, I drove the ball great and, and, you know, the year before that I did too. So, you know, I've de definitely been making good strides, um, but it's definitely a long process and you just have to be extremely patient because, you know, there's a long timeline on this game and, and you just have to take it one step at a time as cliche as it sounds. Now, this isn't a process where you're just trying to, to shave a couple of strokes off your game or just, you know, learn a new shot. You're basically trying to reinvent your swing. Who do you go to? to help you with this, you know, who are you working with to, I mean, I mean, you're trusting your, I mean, you're trusting your college golf experience basically to, to a coach. I mean, that's a tall order. I don't care who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have a coach back home. Uh, his name is Donnie Massingale and he's at our home course, Carlton Woods. Okay. Um, I trusted him for a long time, started working with him senior year and um, senior year of high school, I should say, and, and started hitting it a lot better since then. And, and since, you know, I'm two hours away, I can't see him all the time. And so I rely on Coach Coglin here. Uh, Richie Coglin's his name. He's now our assistant, but yeah. the prior three years, he'd been our volunteer assistant. Um, and he knows the swing extremely well. And he's helped me, especially with leg work um, and, you know, uh, transferring weight um, has been another thing. Transferring weight and pressure has been a really big thing that we've worked on. Um, and that's been a real, real positive having him. And, and he's made me a much, much better golfer. So I'm thankful for both, both of those people. You mentioned, uh, you know, it's funny, you mentioned that you had approached the game or at least approached your golf swing with, with very little thought and uh, not that you're not thinking about it, but you're, you don't have a lot of swing thoughts in your head. You kind of keep things simple. I'm assuming that's kind of what you're right. getting at. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you're, you're also an, an All-American scholar, you're academic All-Big 12, um, you're pursuing a degree in finance and investment banking. I think I just stepped, I stumbled upon something. Mason, just, just how smart are you? <laughs> well, I, I don't know how much I can speak to that, but I definitely <laughs> work hard in school. All right. So, yeah. I, I, so I'm, I'm just setting you up basically for this question though. So off the golf course, um, finance, banking, uh, numbers, all about numbers. 
Um, oh yeah. It's so okay. So do you bring that into your approach on the course as well, or do you have a separate mindset for golf? You know, it's it's pretty funny. Um, you know, in the major that I'm in, I'm, I'm finance. Uh, you know, corporate finance and investment banking, which is obviously very analytical and sure. numbers based. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty funny because on the golf course, I feel like I do better when I'm actually the antithesis of that. When I'm the opposite. Okay. When easy, I'm easy, easy with the big words. Easy with the big words. Listen, <laughs> remember who you're talking to. All right. So you try and I try flip. to emphasize it was off, opposite. Yeah. Gotcha. So basically, okay. basically the opposite. When I'm going out, I'm just seeing shots and playing, you know, obviously it's easier said than done to have swing thoughts on the range and just go out and, and expect to execute on the course. But I try to keep things very simple when I'm out there. I like to have one swing thought that I can focus on and count on. I feel like I do better when I have one swing thought than zero swing thoughts, but at the same time I do better when I have one swing thought than 10. Okay. So, so, so do you want a lot simple. of numbers? Do you want a lot of numbers? Like when, when coach Coglin's with you or, or coach, uh, you know, a bear last year was walking yeah. with you. Do you want like, it's, you know, it's one twelve to the front add 15, uh, 146. I mean, do you want all that or what, like, what do you, what's yes. it? It, yeah, for sure. As far as that goes, I definitely want the numbers. Okay. Um, you know, if I have one forty the hole and, you know, I have to cover a bunker that's one thirty. I want to know, you know, how far in between that range I should land it given how soft the greens are, or sure. what the wind's doing. So in, in that respect, I'm definitely analytical, but as far as like swing thoughts go, I try to keep it very, very minimal, at least in tournaments, because you already have enough going on in your head. You need to, you know, get rid of a lot of the clutter, I guess. And, and as far as the numbers go, I think that that somewhat helps me focus even more because I paint a better picture. If I'm trying to carry that shot 135, Got it. I know what that shot feels like because I practiced it and I just go and, you know, I tell myself I've done this a thousand times and just execute that one more time. All right. I think I got another way I can get you to roll over on a teammate. So corporate finance, <laughs> investment banking, we're talking fiscal responsibility, right? I mean, is that a yeah. fair? Okay. So Very let's fair. let's see if I got you here. Um, you've traveled with these guys for your entire college career, and I'm sure that you've hit up pro shops at clubs on the road or, or convenience stores, airport gift shops, all that stuff. And, I, and while, what I'm getting at is I know you guys aren't buying cars and Rolexes, but I'm sure that there is some, you know, degree of college age specific stupid purchases. Who buys the dumbest shit on the road? Oh, good question. Very good question. Um, as crazy as it might sound, given my background, I've made a few dumb purchases that I, that I regret in the past. Okay. Um, trying to think of the team now. Uh, I'd say I'd say Travis has made a few in the past as well. I love it. You're rolling over on Travis, and I could still get my hands on him at college tournaments. I love that you're doing. This is great. Strategy, strategy, great strategy. And then, as far as our team last year, um, gosh, the Cooties didn't really go out and spend a whole ton. I'd have to say probably Cole. Yeah, um, would be the other one that stands out. He'd go in and, and. buy a decent amount of merchandise at these at these places too yeah I uh, at least at least to what i remember but i, I can see that but yeah we're, we're all guilty of, of a few dumb purchases i mean the seminal pro shop i that was uh you know i came back with plenty of seminal <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. yeah that's i think you kind of have to there but uh yeah. there there is a certain college there is a certain freshman for the arizona state team that apparently buys stuff at airport gift shops and every course <laughs> And uh, he'll be on the podcast very soon. If he's listening to this, he knows who he is. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> Luke Potter. Um, so anyway, he'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll get him fixed up pretty soon. But yeah, I, I thought that would be a, a fun one. So really, Travis is the one. I love it. That's great. Yeah, Travis to an extent. I'd say Cole last year even more so. But the current team, none of the guys really stand out as some you know as people that make you know crazy purchases. But I'd have to say, I guess Travis, just because I've spent more time with him and and. I've seen him make a couple, you know, here and there for sure. Now you're a Texas guy. Um, I am just now uh, getting into this the, the cult of uh, of Bucky's. Um, oh, yeah. Can can we talk Bucky's? Are you are you well versed? Oh, in, sure. Okay, so let's, I'm pretty well versed. I'm, I've definitely been there. Timer timer twenty. That's for sure. Okay, well, you know, if if this episode doesn't go from cor- corporate finance to Bucky's, I don't know what I've accomplished in life. So let's. <laughs> so what is the go to for you at Bucky's? And I'll give you mine. They have these, um, they have these, I'm trying to think what they are. They're, they're like toffee covered, uh, pecans okay. and they're amazing. You find them, you walk in the store, at least the one in between Dallas and Austin. Um, you know, you walk into the store, you go down to the right, at the far right corner, they always have them. There. 
I always get those pretty much every single time I walk into a Bucky's. And while they're not really good for you by any means, I justify it because I don't get to go to Bucky's very often. Yeah. But those are so good. I mean, the selection there is amazing. I mean, they have so much stuff in there. I have. So I I'm, do a lot of tournaments or I cover a lot of tournaments in, at Sea Island. So me being a South Florida guy, there's a Bucky's in St. Augustine. And now there's one in Jacksonville. And I wow. have to drive on I-95 to get up to Georgia. So I hit one or the other, you know, on the way up and then on the way back. So mine is that club sandwich and then, oh, yeah. and then the cinnamon uh, flavored almonds. Wow. That's there. Yeah. And, and yeah, just. Yeah, that's hard to beat. Yeah. And it, there's no, and then of course coffee, cause that's pretty much what I'm fueled by, but there, there's nothing nutritious about any of that shit, but, no. but the place is, it's an institution. It's nuts. And, and that's a place where you could drop a lot of money on really useless shit too. Oh, for sure. For sure. And the cleanest bathrooms on the planet. Oh too. my God. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. It, yeah. <laughs> I think I want to try and hire one of their employees to be my housekeeper. <laughs> that's, that's the go-to. Just so now, yeah, you'd have the cleanest house. On, yeah, uh, on just the l- sure. l- just lure them away with a big signing bonus <laughs> or something. I don't know. Exactly. Um, That's how it's done. Yeah. Well, we've uh, we've gone off topic, which we like to do around here. I, all right. I want to talk about UT. So, you know, you're playing at one of the most prestigious programs in the history of college golf, and you've you've gone through the program. You're a senior, but looking back, how prepared were you? to be not just play college golf, but how, how prepared were you to be a longhorn and everything that goes along with it? Were you, were you basically, you know, did you have any idea what you were getting into? I guess is the question. I felt like I had an idea and I tried to prepare as much as I possibly could for it. But until you're actually here, you have no idea what the requirements are. I knew I was going to have to work hard both in school and on the golf course, but it kind of blew me away freshman year. How much, how hard you truly have to work if you want to be at the top level. Um, you know, again, just being around the cooties freshman year, it really opened my eyes as to, wow, you know, these are two of the best amateurs in the world. Same with Cole Hammer. And just to watch their work ethic is, was just amazing, especially when they're out here. It's, it's all business. And, you know, every single shot, every single repetition is, is one that's, you know, important. And, you know, that was one of the things that I came in really not knowing. Uh, and, and so I really became more diligent in my practice um, as I was here and, and just got progressively better. But like I said, I just got better so much through osmosis just being around them and and doing games with them and competing uh but i really didn't i knew what i was getting into but i didn't really know how to prepare for it is probably how i'd answer that and then programs you know i know that i mean every program has donors and they have and and those are they're important not trying to trivialize it but everyone has donors and friends of the program they donate their time they donate money but i feel like texas is probably you know one of I mean, there's probably a half dozen programs like yours in the country that have just the history, the legacy, the names of, of you know players that have gone on to do great things and win majors. Um, I'm going to give you a couple names and tell me, um, if you can remember, tell me about the first time that you met them. Uh, we'll start easy. Um, uh, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Actually, funny story. So the first time I met Scotty was on my visit when I was really young and it was an unofficial visit. Um, I played with Scotty, uh, that time, a long, long time ago. It was actually, I believe it was his first qualifying round. I could be wrong on that, but he was a freshman. And I remember I got to play a little bit with him, Doug Gim, some of the other guys. Um, and, and that was a really cool experience getting to meet him. And, and I remember a few of the shots he hit, especially I was, I was just mesmerized by his short game. He, kind of pulled an iron shot on hole number two, which is kind of a par three out here. And the ball plugged in the bunker and he hit this short-sighted plug bunker shot to like a foot and made it look extremely easy. Um, and, you know, I knew his short game at the time was just insane, but obviously that's carried on to the PGA tour. And that's a big reason as to why he's number one in the world or number two, I, I guess at this point, but um, he, he just blew me away as far as that went. Uh, but that was the first time I met him and uh, super nice guy. Okay. Uh, well, let's go Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, first time I met Jordan, um, I'm racking my brain here. I believe it was actually at the PGA show, so it wasn't even anything affiliated with Texas. Uh, it was a long time ago. I had committed at the time, but I met him at, at the PGA show a long time ago, uh, just kind of walking around. It was, it was cool, and um, we'd been able to – I've met him a few other times. I've seen him at golf courses. I've seen him out here quite a bit. Um, he doesn't come back a ton, but I know he's uh, looking to be in Austin a lot more, so hopefully we'll see him even more. 
Now, I am around, I mean, you see me at college and amateur tournaments all the time, and I've, I've been around some pretty cool people. In fact, I just got back from the East-West matches uh, at Merido, and uh, Lee Trevino stopped by one evening, which was, oh, yeah. was pretty yeah. damn cool. Um, this name, I, I think even I would be a little starstruck if I got to meet Ben Crenshaw. So talk <laughs> to me about Ben Crenshaw. Yeah, the uh, the first time I met Ben was at our um, our alumni golf tournament out here. We host one usually every couple of years, and we do it centered around one of the big football games. So this year we did it for the Alabama game. Um, my freshman year we did it for the LSU game. So we do it around like big home football games where a lot of the alumni come back and they end up playing with you know Jordan or they play with Scotty or they play with you know any of our tour guys. Um, and so that was the first time I met Ben. And I remember I was stationed on hole number 12, which is another par three out here at the UT golf club. And I remember the first person that drove up was Ben. So I got to hit a seven iron in front of Ben, which was really cool. And, um, he talked to the whole team right before we left for the national championship last year and just gave us his wisdom. And, and, uh, the last time we did that was in 2012 as a team. Um, and we won both of them. So maybe that's, yeah. uh, something we have in common but it's pretty cool and and you know he's uh he's amazing and and such a nice person and you know he's been great to our program yeah i would just like to just watch him putt for like a half hour uh, just, oh gosh it's, it's amazing i mean yeah. I, I mean it's so funny because when you think about like like i'm thinking about like a bryson DeChambeau. everyone's like i just want to watch bryson hit drives whether you you know forget about all the uh extra noise around him and live and all that stuff but just to to sit and be mesmerized and just watch him hit driver i would find it that just as fascinating just to watch ben crenshaw hit six footers oh for sure and i was actually funny that whole day i, I was just stationed on that hole you know jordan would come up scotty would come up bo hostel would come up and for none, of, no other group besides Ben Crenshaw did I actually drive up to the green. Yeah, I wanted to see Ben putt so badly. Yes, he had a good shot in there to about fifteen feet, and um, I just remember I was like, I have to, I have to drive up and watch yeah. Ben Crenshaw. I have to. I mean, if I don't, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm crazy. So I remember going up there and watching him putt. He didn't make the putt, but it was probably a twenty footer. But you know, the old fashioned stance, slightly open, kind yeah. of crouched, looking down the line, and um, it was just a just a pure putting stroke, and and. Yeah, he's, he's such a nice guy, and he's given us so much wisdom over the years. Well, you talked about the national championship. Um, I definitely want to talk a little bit about, you know, this year and this season. But, you know, last year you guys have this <laughs> – I don't even know how to describe your season last year. I mean, at, yes, it, it ends the way everyone wants their season to end, by by winning a national championship and being the last team standing. But, you know, last year – Last year, you started at the Merido Collegiate, and, you know, as I just said, I just got back from Merido. It looks better every single time I go there. It looks, it was incredible last year for the Collegiate. It looks even better now, but, but this tournament was, you know, a somewhat disappointing start to your season. You know, you guys lost a lead late in the the final round, Oklahoma, one of your big 12 rivals, and the reason I bring this up is that I have the, I have a picture of the meeting that you guys had when coach fields walked you guys out to, I think the 12th fairway, which was like 300 to 400 yards away from everyone. And, yeah. you know, I'm looking through the lens of this, 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 you know, telephoto lens and I'm zooming out on everyone's face, just to kind of frame it up. And I see coach fields and he is not saying, all right, guys, you did your best and you tried yeah. hard and we'll get him next. No, no, no. He unloaded on you guys. And, um, <laughs> Not to bring, not, I'm not trying to bring everyone into that moment and have you kind of, but can you speak to maybe the level of expectations that were surrounding that team last year right off the bat? Yeah, I definitely think that that there were expectations going into that season. You know, we had the same same five guys traveling pretty much the whole sophomore, well, my sophomore year, the year prior to that. Yeah. Um, and so we knew we had a great team on paper. We had Cole Hammer, one of the top amateurs in the world, Pearson Cootie, who I believe was number one or two at that time, Parker Cootie, Travis Vick, and myself. Um, so we knew on paper we had a great team. But at that point, we hadn't won a bunch of events. Um, you know, we, we played well at times. We had good moments, obviously. But we hadn't really we hadn't really won that much when we feel like we should have. Right. Um, and so that was, we put ourselves in a great opportunity. You know, we had a great opportunity going into the last round of Merido. And we were right there neck and neck with OU coming down to the end. And I believe we lost by a shot. So it was very close, but we didn't get the job done. And, you know, losing to OU, one of our 
you know, big 12 rivals and, and, you know, arguably, arguably our biggest rival that we have, you know, obviously stings a lot. And, uh, you know, obviously the disappointment at the national championship the year prior when we didn't make match play. In fact, we didn't even make the first cut was definitely disappointing. So I believe there's a little bit of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, pent up anxiety, um, with regards to how are we not winning more tournaments? How are we not getting the job done? Yeah. Um, and so I believe that was, uh, it was kind of funny now looking back on it now that, you know, the year ended, you know, it was pretty much perfectly as it, as it could have for us looking back on that moment. And, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, more of a funny moment to us now because we look back on it and say, wow, like, you know, this is where it started. And then here's where it ended. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a great way that it ended. It's just, but the start of the season that had all these expectations. And, you know, the other thing about your team that maybe, you know, other teams don't face and you just mentioned them. I mean, you, you guys have high, you have high profile players on that team. You have Cole who, you know, played in the U S open at 15. You have Pearson and Parker who are, you know, from birth are the, the grandkids of a master's champion, Travis and and yourself. And, and just, I mean, this is a high profile team and, you know, you, you see what happens with uh, college golf now more than ever. There's a lot of attention. There's a lot of, you know, amateurs are, you know, amateurs are getting PGA tour exemptions and there's agents and there's club people around. How do coach fields and at the time coach a bear and, and, and obviously still coach Coughlin, how do they um, shelter you guys away from that so that you can focus on the task at hand? Because, all right, you're going to have pro careers when you get out of Texas, but this, you, you have a finite amount of time to win, you know, win championships in college. How do they help you ignore the noise so that you can focus at the task at hand? I'd say they do a great job of it. Um, you know, the, the year prior when we had a disappointing uh, tournament at the national championship, we had, um, you know, a couple of our guys, Pearson and Cole, that played the Walker cup and yeah. they played multiple PGA tour events, which, you know, Coach Fields obviously encourages them to do. I mean, if you have PGA Tour exemptions waiting on you, you got to play. Um, so, so Coach Fields is great on 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 you know letting his players be able to go out and and play those events and, and do those things. And obviously, Cole and Pearson earn their right to play in those events. Um, and so, you know, obviously, there's a lot of other things going on, but I think it's more on the players more so than anything. I think we have to just focus ourselves and and be really diligent when it comes to you know, the day to day and, and focus on, you know, how am I going to get better today? That's the most important thing. And, and coach fields definitely gives great advice specifically. Um, you know, when it comes to anything like that, he, he has so much wisdom. He's been around the game for so long. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat on a case to case basis. Um, and, you know, he's going to be honest with you. He's going to be direct on what he thinks you should do. And, you know, I've had conversations like that with him and, you know, I, I know everyone else here has as well. And, um, you know, he gives great guidance and, and, you know, I think I think the players really have to take accountability and, and understand their position and, and just work really hard and, and again ask themselves what can I do today that's going to get me a lot better. Well, you guys, I mean, obviously you're you you start with that disappointment and you're trying to work yourselves through it. You know, in the fall, you I mean, you guys win the Big Twelve match play. That was really the highlight of the fall, and really every tournament surrounded by it was was kind of average finishes, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get to now. It's funny you mentioned, you know, humorous beginning now that you won. And I'm guessing yeah. now you can look back at uh, a Pearson and Parker breaking their arms is somewhat humorous. But I'm also thinking, and, and for people that don't know, Pearson and Parker, you guys have kind of a college relay race at the end of the fall semester. It's kind of a team building experience, I'm guessing. And um, yeah. they're the, they're on, you know, they're on uh, separate teams and they're the anchor leg and they go in and they they basically are trying to, you know, race each other to the wall and they both put their arms out, break their arms, you know, identical, basically fraternal twins that I, that break their arms in identical fashions. And, uh, you know, at the time I I'm guessing you're thinking, Oh shit, there goes our season or there goes yeah. a, I mean, I, I'm sure you're concerned for their health and well being, but you're also saying to yourself, man, what what else is going to go wrong we can't catch a break no pun intended but we can't catch a break to like have the season that everyone including us thinks we're supposed to have what were you thinking at that time right i mean there, there was definitely a, a time where it was just sheer shock you know you just couldn't believe that it happened you know them being twins them breaking their arms in the identical place at the identical time i mean it was it was almost it was almost you know it was weird uh that, that it happened that way so there's definitely shock there. 
Um, but at the same time, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, it, you know, we hadn't performed to the, to, to our capabilities that, that we know we could have up until that point. And, you know, we were wondering when it was going to turn around. And like you said, we had a really good big 12 match play. We won the tournament. Um, a few of us had really good weeks that week and we built a lot of momentum going into the off season. So that was great. Um, and then the cooties broke their arms and then, and then now there's a big question mark as to, okay, what are they going to be like when they return? You know, are they going to be okay? Are they going to require surgery? What, what's going on? Um, and, you know, we had to play a few tournaments without them, but, you know, we learned that, you know, the cooties are about as hardworking as, as, as it comes. And, you know, they did a great job with their rehab. They got back quickly and, you know, instantly played well, right. Both of them yeah. and you know, Pearson coming back uh, at Augusta. And that was, I believe that was one of the turning points was that Augusta tournament when Pearson yeah. came back and, and won individually. And we set a, you know, team scoring record. I believe everybody finished in the top 11 that week. Um, we shot 50 under and, and that's when we, that was the point in which we thought, okay, well, you know, this, this might be, this might be it this year. And, and we played great the next few tournaments and, you know, won at Paso Tiempo, almost won big 12s. And, you know, it was just, uh, it was, it was amazing how fast it all happened, but definitely the cooties, the cooties breaking their arms was something that was just shocking. And, and, you know, for a few weeks or even months there, we were thinking, okay, wow, what, what's, what's going to go on here? Cause this is it times of the essence. And, um, you know, this on paper should be our year. So, so how is this going to end? How much did it help you to maybe be thrust in more of a leadership role on that team? Uh, how much do you think that helped that period of time, those two, three, four tournaments where they were out, how much did it help you uh, and did it pay off? For, I mean, obviously it paid off in, in the national championship, but do you remember those tournaments and maybe how you approach them differently? Absolutely. Um, you know, Cole Travis and I knew that, that we had to step up our games because, um, you know, Pearson and, and Parker were going to be out for some time. It also gave some of the other guys, you know, Alejandro, um, you know, Will Thompson, a few of the other guys, a lot of, you know, experience and, and, and gave them a great opportunity to play in the lineup as well. And, um, you know, obviously it was different not having the cooties at that time, but it definitely helped me from a personal level a lot. And I think it, it taught me a lot of things, how to deal with pressure a lot more, um, you know, how to deal with a leadership role leadership role that I hadn't really had on this team to that, to this point, considering we had three seniors that led the way. And, and, uh, it was definitely different for those few events, but I learned so much. And I think I used a lot of what I learned at that time and, and used it once the cooties got back. And I really started to play well at that time and, and, and carried that momentum into the national championship and just all five of us, you know, as coach Fields likes to say, we played so free for that week. And, um, that's just how it worked out, but it definitely helped a ton. and, And it, taught me to deal with pressure and, and, you know, taught all of us how to deal with adversity because obviously it affected the cooties the most, but at the same time, um, you know, we had to, we had to relearn, you know, we learned how we, we had new roles essentially and, and it was very different, but we learned a lot at the same time. Yeah. It's one of those things about college golf where, uh, you know, people will focus on, you know, maybe the number one player on a team and, and how many wins they have and who's an all American and who's, uh, you know, how high someone's ranking is in PJ Tour U, all that, you know, all that stuff really doesn't matter when it comes time for a college team because the, the number five guy or four guy or whatever you're, whatever you're playing as, you count just as much as the next guy because, right. you know, it's five drop four and it doesn't matter who, what your ranking is on the team. Um, you head into this national championship. You just said, you know, obviously we talked, you, you talked about Augusta. I couldn't agree more. That tournament, you guys just kind of broke out of the gates and, and so did Pearson. And um, you guys played well there. You won at Pasa Tiempo at the Western Intercollegiate, which is a such a difficult golf course. Um, and then you, you move into regionals, but you got to go play regionals on Oklahoma's home course because of a, um, I believe it was Alabama that was supposed to host the regional and then the course was not in condition. So they had to move that regional. They moved it to Oklahoma to, to Jimmy Austin. So you go there, you can't get rid of these guys at Oklahoma. You got to go play regional their, their course, but you get through um, and now you're heading out to Greyhawk and you know, how do, and I guess I keep coming back to this, but I, I want to ask, you know, what was the kind of the, the 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 thought and the mood in the team room so to speak going to a national championship where after all you've been through the entire year this is it i mean this is the last yeah. chance that your your three seniors have and at this point those three seniors had not won a conference or a national championship in their yeah. entire career at texas 
and this is it. Right. Right. We did approach it. You know, obviously we tried not to approach it with the attitude. This was it. But in the back of our minds, we all knew it was, you know, you kind of have the, the last moments where it's like, wow, this could be our last meeting or, you know, this could be our last college round. Yeah. Obviously you don't want to be thinking about those things when sure. you're in the midst of competition. You're ideally not. Um, but in the back of our minds, it was definitely there. But at the same time, coach fields, you know, talks about this all the time about how free we truly played. Um, you know, obviously it was our last time. And I think we just basically all told ourselves, okay, let's just have fun. This is, you know, college golf is our last, you know, time playing together. And, you know, we know Greyhawk really well. We played Thunderbird here. There's really no other team here that knows this course as well as we do, aside from maybe Arizona state and, you know, maybe a couple others, but, um, you know, so, so we had confidence going in. We, we built momentum at Augusta. We built momentum at Pasa Tiempo. We played well at big 12s, didn't get the job done, but played really well. Um, so we knew that we were playing well going in. So that was, that was nice. Um, we were all rested. We, we felt ready. Um, and after every single stroke play round, we just got nothing but better and better and, and more sharp and learned the course a little bit more and, in, in the, and, in, you know, the intricacies of the course as well. And, and, you know, dealing with elevation and, um, you know, desert golf is very different, but we learned every single day and it was just a different feel in that team room, the, in every single meeting we had after each round, it just felt there's a different feeling after each round and it just felt like, you know, every, after every single round, it felt like it was more and more our year. Um, and once we got into match play, you know, we had the the top eight ranked teams in the country as the top, as the eight teams in the match play tournament, which I don't know if that had ever happened before, but we had Oklahoma state first round and, and, you know, beat them. And it was a really close match. We got through them and, and got through Vanderbilt as well. And, um, it was just amazing, but it just, every single day, we just got slightly more sharp and slightly better and, and slightly more confident at the same time. You have, uh, you have Arizona state in the championship after getting through Oklahoma state and, and Vanderbilt, like you just said. And you know, what I found kind of interesting is, you know, we're talking about all this pressure that Texas has on them and, and, you know, the, the expectations of this, of this team to finally close the deal and win, win the national championship you're facing a team in the final that probably had just as much, if not more pressure on them because Arizona yeah. state is at their home course. It's their home state. They have all their fans right. there. You know, they, they've had the national championship there. Uh, you know, this will, this year will be the third year, but I mean, you know, this is all lining up for Arizona state to win. And right. did, did that help you knowing that, Hey, um, the guys on the other side are feeling it just as much as we are. Absolutely. It helped, it helped us a lot. We realized that, um, you know, there's good and bad to playing at home. Obviously, you know, you're comfortable with the course, you know what you're getting into, but at the same time, um, you know, there, there's some downsides to it as well. There's increased pressure and, you know, people expect you to win when you're playing at home generally. And, and, um, you know, we knew that we knew that there was going to be big crowds out there. We knew that there was going to be a lot of ASU fans and, you know, we prepared accordingly and, and we knew that that it was going to be a good match no matter what. We just had that feeling that, that it would come down to the end. And, um, you know, we were going to have to fight for fight and claw for every single shot. And we ended up doing that. But there is you're, – you're totally right. There is good and bad with, with playing at home. And, and we realized that they would feel some pressure, you know, considering they are at home. And um, we, we, definitely, we definitely understood that. And while there was pressure on us as well, considering it was our last go together, we knew that they had pressure on themselves as well. You had David Pooj uh, in the final, um, I would say probably, at least outwardly, I, I'm not inside the team room with at Arizona State, but when I'm thinking about the guys in that team, you know, Mason Anderson and Preston and, um, you know, James Leal, I'm thinking that, you know, Pooj is probably on the outside looking in. He is one of the emotional leaders of that team, and, and you get him in this match, and, you know, all the highlight reels that you'll see on golf channel. If you want to pull up Texas winning the national championship, you're going to see Travis Vick, you know, you know, basically lagging a, a putt to gimme range and then uh, him celebrating and, and the dog pile there. But I, I keep coming back to whenever I think of that, I keep coming back to your match. You're, you're tied with Pooj on 18 and it's a back and forth match all day, but you're tied and you get to 18 and, I want you to walk through the 18th hole and then afterwards I, I kind of want to illustrate why I think that's so important. So I guess, you know, actually you can just walk through just being at the, being on the green, you have to get up and down for par. Talk to me about just the last few moments of that, that, that match on the 18th hole. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great match. Um, you know, I knew going into it, David's obviously one of the best players in the world, amazing short game, amazing other rough. Um, so I knew it was going to be a very tough match and I'd have to be at my best if I wanted to compete and, and win the match. Yeah, so I was one up on 17T, 
and the pin was kind of tucked back right on the top tier. And being one up, I felt like I had to lay up and put the pressure on him to, to hit a great shot in there, which he did. And he ended up winning the hole with a birdie. So we stepped up on 18T and we're all square. He has the honor now because he won 17 and he hits it in the right rough, right near that bunker on the right side. Yep. And I hit mine down the left. It was kind of going towards the bunker or even just left of it. And it hits the tree and comes back about 40 yards. So while I'm in the fairway, I have 250 yards to the flag, which is a pretty scary <laughs> shot considering it's tucked right and there's water right. Um, you know, with elevation and everything, we accounted for all of that. And I ended up hitting a five iron kind of towards the left center side of the green. It went just trickled barely over the back. And David hit a really good shot on there to about 30 feet. So I knew at this point I had to get this up and down at the least if I wanted to force extra holes. And it's kind of a tricky chip. I couldn't let it get, you know, too far down there because there was water behind the hole. And, and, you know, I wanted to leave myself an uphill putt, but I couldn't get too greedy. And I left it about, I'd say, 12 or 13 feet short, maybe even 14 feet. And he easily lags his up to about three or four feet, not necessarily conceded, but he had a really good look to, to make par. And, I ended up making my putt, which was, you know, which was huge. And, you know, David had to make a, a four-foot putt or else we won a national championship, which he ended up making. So we ended up going to extra holes, but it was just a great back-and-forth match the whole day, and nobody got more than one up. And it was an exciting match to, to be in. And, and, yeah, it was just back-and-forth the whole day, and there were turning points, and it was, it was a great match the whole time. I, I thought it was so important. Like I said, everyone re- refers back to Travis kind of clinching it on 18 against Sisk. But I thought it was so important for you to, you know, make that that putt, which I'm guessing if you look back, it's got to be one of the biggest putts of your life. But the biggest thing that I saw is you make the putt and you move all of the energy that was pent up in that crowd that was obviously pro Sun Devil. You move that energy away from 18 over to 10. I don't think you had a whole lot of people that came with you, but what you did, in my opinion, is you kind of deflated the crowd so that there was less energy around Travis against Sisk in that final, in the anchor match. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and I know you're, you're on the 10th green with coach a bear and you, I, you know, you see, you look down about 400 yards away and, and once Travis lags uh, that putt up uh, it's over and by the way, uh, it's not a very comfortable place to be when you see Travis Vick throw his hat off and start sprinting at you. I mean, I, I, I didn't feel safe. So, uh, but but you were 400 <laughs> yards away with Coach Bear, and you had this kind of unique experience where you're not caught up in the immediate dogpile rush of emotion. You have at least two or three minutes to kind of let it sink in. That had to have been kind of a special moment between you and Coach Bear. It was. And I think about that moment all the time. Um, you know, I, I walked with coach Aver pretty much the whole semester and, you know, for, for me to be on 10 green, you know, trying to win my match against David, you know, watching afar from, from Travis, you know, winning his match was really, really cool. And I've talked about this before, but, you know, we could kind of see from a distance, but we could see all of the burnt orange, you know, uniforms running together when Travis was running and, and, you know, the big dog pile happened on 18 green, yeah. but we couldn't really hear anything because we were so far away. So it took a while for the sound to build up and we were kind of looking and we were trying to see if, if the, you know, the uniforms in the dog pile, were, you know, we couldn't tell if it was, you know, uh, Arizona state or us. And, and yeah. we could finally kind of tell that it was burnt orange. And at that point we were like, wow, that it was just, it was, it was amazing. It was just like, wow, we just won a national championship. It, it was hard to even, it's hard to even put it into words, but Sending my match into 18 with, with David was definitely big. I think it helped Travis to an extent. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it gave us two chances to win because um, we had to win one of the matches. So at the time, I was so focused on winning my match, but it was cool after I hit my tee shot on 10, Travis had hit his tee shot on 18. Um, you, know, you know, those holes run parallel to each other. Yeah. And, and we kind of walk, walked past each other, um, you know, and we were just continuing to play. So it was it was cool. And, it was just an amazing experience and amazing feeling. And, and I just, wow, it was, it was just, it was amazing at the time. Now, did it take you and coach a bear longer to get to the 18th green because coach a bear had his sweater wrapped around his neck like he always does. I mean, do you think that's what weighed you guys down or, or, or you know, what do you think? And by the way, is there anyone in college golf that looks cooler with a sweater draped, draped around their neck? Than, Nobody. I mean, I mean, it's just, he's Absolutely. just, he's just yeah. the best. He's the best. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he's got the, the iconic walk. I mean, 
Yeah. You could tell from, from a few hundred yards away, who's walking up. Um, you know, when, when you see him walk, it's, uh, it's pretty funny, but yeah, it was, uh, it was great being able to walk with him for the full semester. He was so good for me. And, um, you know, I think we worked really well together cause he's very, um, I don't know if hands off is the right word, but he really simplifies things. And so walking with him, you know, I'm a pretty analytical mind. I think it really helped me calm down. I felt so calm the whole semester playing with him. Um, and it was just, it was great. And, uh, it was a pretty special moment being able to share it on, on whole 10 with him, you know, for the few minutes that, that we got to before we got back to 18 green to celebrate with the whole team. But, yeah. um, it was, it was cool because, you know, obviously now he's at UNLV and, and, you know, we miss him a ton here, but, um, it was just very cool because, you know, that there was so much that went into it and, and so much time. And you really think about all the people that, that helped you get to that point. And when you finally reach that goal, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, there's so many people that helped you get there. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of a, a, a whirlwind right after because you obviously have to you know pose for the pictures and the interviews and then you guys go live on golf channel and and all the, and then i think you guys basically just raced out of there and caught a flight i yeah. mean i i was trying to get some time with but it was like it was impossible you guys were on a tight schedule I then i mean did you just basically leave the golf course get a shower and go right and catch a plane like how did that yeah what happened there yeah. i mean we had a we had to we had like a certain time by when our flight had to be in the air, I believe is what it was. And so we were there and, you know, we were pushing the time and, and we didn't even get a shower. We just went right on the plane. Oh God. Uh, so it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, definitely a whirlwind. That's for sure. And, um, you know, it, it was definitely cool though, because the six of us were all just sitting there and just right in the middle of us is this not big national championship trophy. And, you know, a few times in the flight, I was just thinking like, wow, I mean, there's so much, you know, that, that went into this and, everybody on this flight had, you know, so much to do with it. And it was, it was so cool just sitting there with, you know, the, your best friends down at this, you know, just this massive trophy that you guys had just won. Well, to the victor goes the spoils. Um, if there's any chance for golfers to be rock stars on a big college campus, this is it. So this is, the, the, this would be the the time. Um, what were some of the unique experiences you got to, um, take part in as national championships as national champions uh in austin yeah we definitely celebrated that night a little bit we got back super late but we ended up going straight to the tower which is one of the most iconic buildings on campus and they lit it they light the tower when a national championships won and so it was lit burnt orange that night as well as the next day and so we were able to get pictures that night i think it was at around three or three thirty in the morning so it was super late oh, but it was really cool um so we did that and then we had a little celebration at the house and um, it was really cool. So we celebrated pretty much the next two days and, and we had some other outings. We had a few dinners and, and some interview stuff and, and media stuff, which was cool. But at the same time, you know, the Cooties and Cole just kind of went on and, and, you know, they had they had to play pro golf now. So it was, we had time to celebrate, which is awesome. And, and, you know, got to say goodbye to those guys and everything. But it was definitely, definitely quicker than I'd anticipated because, you know, they, they had to go play pro golf. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It was, it was a quick turnaround for them. Not as much so for me and Travis, cause we, you know, we had amateur golf in the summer to look forward to and had a few weeks off there, but, um, you know, for Cole and the cooties, it was definitely a quick, a quick turnaround to say the least. Does it, I mean, is it a little more special just for it to happen during your junior year that you can actually have, you know, not that you're looking back the entire time of your senior season, but at least you get to experience being a college golfer just a little bit more. For sure. For sure. No, yeah. the hundred percent getting one more year here is really cool. You know, playing, playing, representing this university as a national champion is, is just extremely special. And, and, and having that experience is amazing. What, uh, so talk to me about this year. You got, you know, you and Travis are the, the senior leaders on this team. It's, it's, I mean, I hate to use the term rebuilding, but it's still, it's, yeah. you got freshmen coming in, you got Sosa and you have, uh, yep. uh, Keaton Vaux and you got younger guys. How has your, I guess your, your position on the team changed and, you know, what are you trying to do not only to, to, you know, repeat as a national champion or, or, or win a big, I don't think you guys have won a big 12 championship yet. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Like, so, so what are you so working like you, on? Yeah. How's, how's it changed for you this year? Obviously the team's very different this year. Um, you know, not having the cooties and Cole is very different, but Travis and I are still here. We're seniors and we have three great freshmen that are here. We have Jacob Sosa, Keaton Bo, and Christian Moss. And we also have Alejandro Gonzalez. So we have a good team still, and, and we haven't played to our near potential this semester so far, but there's still a lot of time left. And, and, 
you know, we're, we're working really hard in the off season to get ready for the spring. And I know Christian's playing some tournaments, some big tournaments over back in South Africa and Travis is playing some PGA tour events. And I guarantee that we'll be ready by, by the time spring comes back around. And really, I mean, I hate to trivialize a false, the false season of college golf, but truthfully, um, you know, you want to rack up obviously as many wins as you can, so you can, you know, be on the right side of 50, 50 to get yourself into regionals. But at the end of the day, the fall really doesn't matter as much as that spring that kind of just right. like you did last year. You just, I mean, you guys were, I guess, you know, really until Augusta hit, you really didn't know what you had. Right, exactly. No, you're totally right. And, and the spring's very important. And, you know, historically speaking, at least the last few years on this team, we played really well in the spring starting around, you know, February, January and February, we really started picking up momentum. And so I'm hoping we can do the same thing this year and, and, you know, the work for those events start now. Obviously, it's off season, and you know you can you can take some time off and, and reflect and and focus on the things that they need to be focused on. But obviously, this is an important time to get a lot better and make the small alterations that you need to make. So when spring comes around, you're ready and you can hit the ground running. Well, Mason, I appreciate you stopping by. I know that uh, it's been a whirlwind kind of last. 12 to 18 months and uh you know it was an incredible season last year i know there's a lot that you want to accomplish this year and um yeah i mean you have you know another spring semester to kind of work on that big 12 championship go back to Greyhawk and defend and um i'll be seeing you quite a bit in the spring i appreciate you stopping by the back of the range and uh, wish you all the best i can't wait and thank you again for letting me come on i've been wanting to do this and um, i'm happy we got to do it And there you have it. Special thanks to Mason Gnome for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, every single episode, merch, everything you need can be found at thebackoftherange.com. And we'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.